News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. Rick Paul has been waiting for us patiently on the line here through the news break, so we won't make him wait any longer. Good morning, Paul. What's your question for Rick today? Oh, thanks for taking my call. I, I got uh, two quick questions. One is about pine trees. When they're putting out their cones, does that mean it's stressed or is that a good thing? Yeah, they'll always put cones out. Is when they put a lot of cones out, then that means they're they could they could be stressed, okay? And so that that stress could have been from the year previous. It could have been, you know, uh, could have been from this year. But a lot of times it's the it's the previous winter or the previous summer is when they were they were stressed. So yes, uh, if it's if it's more than you normally have, uh, that's with any tree. Uh, it usually means that they're trying to reproduce themselves because they see themselves in trouble. Okay. Um, another thing is, like, I'm, I like to keep things simple. You know, I use alfalfa tea every two weeks and yep. uh, fish fertilizer every week. Uh, the numbers are pretty low on the fish fertilizer. Is, is that enough for the, my plants? Yeah, normally it's enough because it's amazing. It's, a, it's different fertilizer than just using an NPK, okay, a nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium fertilizer. Uh, so it, it, one thing about them, it has all those fertilizers you have, lots, lots of little organisms and bacteriums in them that actually, you know, eat on different or, or organisms and then they excrete and then gives food to the plant. So it is, it is, they will, they will, uh, give the food, the plant be healthy. But if you want the plant to grow, then you also need to supplement more with a little bit more nitrogen. That's the big one. If you want them to push a lot more growth. Oh, okay. Oh, perfect. I'll I'll do that then. It's just but, at the beginning still. Yeah. So, but if you're using alfalfa tea and you're using fish fertilizer, I mean, normally, especially for for especially for vegetables and most flowers and those kind of things, it's lots. But if I have a let's say a poplar or a willow or you know like like a shrub that I want, it's just tiny. I just planted it and I wanted to get growing. Yeah, you may need to supplement with a little bit more nitrogen. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, you guys. Okay. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. All right. We have Debbie waiting for us in Saskatoon. Good morning, Debbie. What's your question for Rick today? Well, I have a couple of questions for him. My first one is I have pots and tomatoes, and um, or tomatoes and pots, and one of my tomato pots is infested with ants. Okay, so if it's infested with ants, uh, usually if you got ants, it means you have it's either one is is it's they just found a great place to build a nest, but most cases it means that you have an aphid issue, okay? Because ants milk the aphids like dairy cattle; they don't okay. eat them. They actually because the aphids suck on the plants and they excrete a sap. You've heard lots of people on the show talk about you know their maples all dripping sap because the aphids are just excreting so much. And so the ants go hook onto the back of the ant, and they actually catch that excrement and take it back down to the nest. So they actually farm them, just like we do with dairy cattle. And oh. so, um, and so, watch for aphids. If yeah. you get rid of the aphids, you usually get rid of the ants. Okay, but okay. you can also just use that uh, those nematodes also in the in the if there's an ant nest in your pot itself, you can use the ant out nematodes to get rid of those as well. Okay. 
Okay. And my second question is, um, we have cayenne peppers in pots as well. We've yep. got some black on the stems. Um, the leaves look really healthy. The, the plant looks really healthy, but we hardly have any peppers. Hardly have any peppers. Hardly have any. Have they been flowering? Uh, I think so. Okay. So what you, you may not be getting the pollination, okay? So what you may have to do is just when you see the flowers, just take a Q-tip and start being the bee. You know, cross-pollinate between peppers and, you know, and, and go between many flowers a whole bunch of times and cross the, and, uh, and then pollinate them. Uh, we'll, so we'll see that every once in a while that, that especially in pots, that you just have it in an area where there's not very many bees to be, okay. to be attracted there and okay. just, just pollinate it. Uh, but the black stems, just watch your, if it's on the black stems, I just be careful of your moisture. There again, like I always say, stick your finger into the soil. If you feel moisture, it doesn't need water, okay? Okay. And wa- watch that especially. And, and add, if you can, add some calcium uh, into the soil. Like use the, the use an alfalfa pellet tea if you want, um, or otherwise get a, a calcium-rich uh, fertilizer. There's a lot of them out there by Dirt & Grow even, this company that has a, a calcium, a lot of calcium in them. And peppers and tomatoes need calcium. Okay. So we have uh, those ones that we put in our tomato plants. Can we use those for the peppers as well? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Well, okay. here's hoping it works then. Okay. <laughs> good luck, Debbie. Okay. Thanks so much. Have a good day. You too. You too. Okay, bye-bye. All right. We have uh, Tom in Choiceland. Good morning, Tom. What's your question for Rick today? Well, my mother said she's never seen that before in her life, that something's eating her cabbages in the center. In the center, you you might have cabbage worms. I don't know, but so I've and stuff before, but she said she's never seen yep. anything that ever, like, was eating right in the, like, going from the top and eating it and killing the plants. Yep. So, like I said, it's usually a, it's usually a worm. So you need to check it out to see if it's there, but it's usually a worm that gets them, okay? And if it is a worm, they can spray on a product called BTK, and it's safe to use, and it gets any caterpillars or worms that, that chew on the leaves, okay? And it's called BTK, Bob Tom Ken, okay? It's yeah, safe yeah, to yeah. use. What's that? Yeah, yeah, i seen that. i seen that part. Yeah. yeah, so that's what you can use on the cabbages, and it's a biological, and as soon as they start chewing on the, on the leaves, and then they'll get a tummy ache and they'll quit eating. Okay. Alrighty. And it, and it only affects it only affects caterpillars and worms. It doesn't affect anything else. So yeah, that's she, what I would use. She bought some uh, ambush. She was going to spray on. Uh, you can spray ambush, but then look on on the instructions because it says on different plants how many days before harvest you can spray them. Okay. That's right. She used it before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can use that as well, but just watch your your days before harvest. That's what you have to watch, okay? Yeah, for different plants, right? Different plants. And I I can't remember how many days before harvest is for cabbage, okay? But but, uh, you got some. You got a little bit bit of time now before you're going to harvest the cabbage anyway, so you should be fine. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. I like your program. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. All right, we have uh, we had a call from Jean, um, but uh, couldn't uh, stay on the line for us. But uh, their question was, when can you prune different kinds of elm trees? 
Elm trees you can only prune uh, from from September first until April first. Okay. Okay. In in this what I call the second half of the year, uh, for the first half of the well, from April from April until September, it actually in Saskatchewan it is illegal. It's it's against oh. the law to prune an elm tree. Okay, because if they if you prune an elm tree in the spring, they'll they'll excrete a bit of sap and they can attract the elm beetle, which brings Dutch elm disease. Yeah. And we don't and want so that. So the cities, the cities and towns around the whole province are trying to protect their 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 heritage, right? <laughs> their their inventory of elm trees. So they're saying nobody can either cut uh, elm elms uh, in in the, from April until September. Uh, you don't want to cut them at all, and you also do not once you do cut them in the fall, you do not you're not allowed to store elm firewood. So once you cut a branch off, you can't keep it around for your fire pit. It has to go to the landfill, be buried. So something to circle in the calendar, but uh, not right now. Absolutely. All right. We are going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. If you have a question for Rick, you can give us a call or text at one 332 8255 This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. Just before we went to the break, we were talking about elm trees and uh, different wood that you can use for camping. And it kind of sparked your memory, Rick, a little bit. Yeah, it did. It's, it's a very important topic because, you know, I, I live right across from a campground, mm-hmm. right across the other side of the lake. And uh, and you see the campfires going all the time, and I know there's a ban right now on most provincial parks yeah. for campfires because it's so dry. Okay, but if you are hauling campfire, where you're going, just if you're going to different provinces or different parts of the province, it's important that you pay it forward. Don't grab firewood and load up your camper because you don't know whether there's firewood at your next spot you're going to. Okay, mm-hmm. or next weekend or next next spot you, in your trip you're doing if you're doing a, a long trip because one thing you did bring as, as well as you're bringing on that that firewood you're bringing along insects yeah okay and right now the biggest problem we're worried about right now is the is the emerald ash borer so especially if you're heading out east don't bring any firewood back west please 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 because if you bring that emerald ash borer back here it will devastate all of our urban forests it will destroy every ash tree in our area in ontario they're cutting down every single ash tree yeah because the emerald ash ash borers killed everything it's an insect there's no predators for it came it came from across the ocean on pallets and now it's it's here and it's bad and if you're in bc they also have the uh, the pine beetle and so if you're hauling pine trees around and bringing it back into us and then it gets into our northern forest where we have jack pine that's just not a good thing either so uh, it'll devastate our forests. So make sure that if you have to haul firewood around, haul two by fours and things without bark, without bark on them. Okay, that's huge. Okay, it's it, the bugs stay in the bark, and uh, the borers go into the into the wood, and then they come out of the wood. Uh, especially you know, so just make sure that um, you know people say, well, you know, I'm going to burn it anyway, so it'll kill all the bugs. Well, the bugs crawl out of the yeah. of this. They're not waiting for you to start your fight. They're not, exactly. So and uh, so, it's very very important to uh, do not carry campfire wood around from from uh, campground to campground, especially from province to province. It's huge uh, for our trees that we leave the bugs where they are. 
All right. We have uh, Todd waiting for us on the line here. Uh, Good morning, Todd. What's your question for Rick today? Uh, uh, One important question and a secondary question. uh, um, So I have quite a bit of potatoes and we're trying to keep it organic. And uh, I'm pretty much spending my life uh, battling the potato bugs. Uh, So I've been uh, I've been vacuuming them. Seems to be pretty, pretty good. But am I wrecking anything? Like like if I stay away from the floor? No, no, you're not wrecking nothing as long as you're not sucking up the flowers and everything else too, right? So yeah. otherwise, not not a problem at all. Any there's like there's no natural products that like I've like there's no them. natural products other than picking them. Now, now I had I had we had some people call in in the spring saying putting a slice of potato of onion in with your potatoes, which will help deter the bugs. Okay, and but I also just had I had an email today. It's funny you should you should talk about that. Because uh, Gerald emailed me and says, just let you know, uh, myself and five friends tried planting a slice of onion with the seed potatoes to deter potato bugs. It didn't work for any of us. And he had a big, happy, a sad face. Oh, no. <laughs> on there. <laughs> and then, and he also tried Malthion, and he found, he, but he found that a house and garden raid got him. But that's not an organic material, obviously. Yeah. But, um, but otherwise, yeah, just picking by hand. And and you or using the back cleaner, and then looking on the backside of the leaves and getting the eggs. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Try to and keep up. With that. There's otherwise there's no organic um, insecticide. You can use uh, diatomaceous earth. Okay. The problem with diatomaceous earth, it's uh, it's really hard to keep on the leaves, right? You almost need to give the leaves a little bit of moisture to get the diatomaceous earth to stick, and then once it dries, it's kind of clings to it. Uh, because when the potato bugs go through diatomaceous earth, it basically dehydrates them. Right. Okay. Because it's like crushed up seashells. Okay. Then, like the so, like between, like I have a potato plow, so the rows are kind of far apart. Like the yes. weeds are out of control. Like, is there some kind of something I could try next year? Like, where like laying between the rows? That's. Yeah, you can use some. You can put mulch in between the rows if you want. Um, some people, some, a lot of people put either black plastic or they'll put uh, a, a wood mulch in between and, or landscape fabric, anything like that to keep the weeds down. Uh, that'll work fine. But, um, but other than that, there's, uh, you, there's no, 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 um, herbicide you can use because if you use corn gluten, uh, it's not because you're going to rotate your garden next year. You might not get any beans to grow there or anything like that, right? So you can't use a, a natural pre-emergent herbicide either, like corn gluten. It just it's not good to use in the garden. You can use it in your flower beds and your lawn, but you can't use it in the garden. Great, thank you. Sure. Okay. Thanks, Todd. Okay. Okay. We have uh, Lori waiting on the line for us. Good morning, Lori. What's your question for Rick today? Hi there. I, yeah, I, my Saskatoon berry trees are growing a fungus on all the berries, and uh, I'm just not sure what treatment or steps I should take if I need to pick the berries off or what to do. Yeah, so you can pick the berries off, and, and I, I would suggest picking all the berries because it'll go when they drop to the ground, then that'll just stay there and come up next year, okay? So, and also in the fall, clean up all the leaves as well because they went from the leaves onto the berries, okay? And next year, what you want to do is you want to spray, if you can, before the blooms and after the blooms, but not during bloom time, you spray Bordeaux or a copper spray. And that'll prevent that from happening again, okay? Okay. But uh, when you get hot, humid years, it'll be the worst, okay? And that's what we've had, too, right now. So, um, 
Uh, so make sure that uh, you can you can spray them like after the after you've picked all the fruit off that you need right now because there might be some good fruit there. This this summer you can actually spray on the leaves to prevent it from spraying to spreading to more leaves. And so you can spray the Bordeaux this summer right because you're you're probably going to start harvesting them right, right about now. Okay, I've noticed that even the farmers markets are starting to have uh, uh, the sastrum berries in them uh, for people to purchase. So that means the berries are ripening right now, and they'll ripen now in the next two weeks. And so um, I wouldn't spray right now, but I would spray right after the, your harvest is done. Pick any berries that you're not going to use and destroy them, if you, and then uh, spray your plants down with the, the Bordeaux. And then next spring, it's important to spray them once before and once after the blooms, and you can even do them again uh, 14 days later after that again, and then you won't have that issue next year. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Lori. All right, we have uh, Lana waiting on the line for us. Hi, Lana, what's your question for Rick today? I have cherry slugs on my cherry bush. Yep. And so I go out every morning and I'm looking under the leaves and any eggs that I find I'm squishing, or if it's really bad, I'm even pulling leaves off. I do have diatomaceous earth underneath the bushes on the ground yeah. and when it uh rains you know i mean after I've re- i'm replacing the diatomaceous earth so yeah but these these are little black slugs right N- yes um yeah. yes the the I, i'm not letting them grow into slugs or when i'm seeing them they look like little black eggs kind of oh, okay so yeah you it's probably called a pear slug okay yeah. And and so um, yeah, that that's the bit, you're doing the right thing. Um, otherwise, they're easy to kill. You can use uh, insecticidal soap on them. You can use uh, ambush on them. All that kind of stuff you can use on them, and it takes care of them right away. Contoni asters get it well. Get it, get it a lot. Uh, um, some some cherry trees get it. Some some fruit trees get it. And uh, but they're easy to take care of. And uh, so they'll be they'll go in cycles again. Like you might have it this year, and you might not have it for a bunch of years after that. Okay, and so this, this um, is a fly, is it not? It's a fly, and it lays its eggs, and it turns into a little slug. Okay, right. And and so what's the cycle? Like they're in the ground at some point, right? Well, not well. The, the fly will when the slug drops to the ground, and then it pupates, and then the fly will come up again next year, right? So right. that's when you, that's why you put the diatomaceous earth in the ground for it because you're hoping to get them as they go as they drop onto the ground and go onto the ground to to basically pupate and become a fly again, right? Right. So um, so that that's why you'd be using the diatomaceous earth there. But otherwise, the fly comes on the ground, lays the eggs, and then then they hatch, right? Yeah. So uh, you're not going to catch them coming out of the ground. You'll catch them when the slug goes into the ground. Okay, but then but by that time they've done all the damage, right? So yes, yes, I, I am being fairly. Uh, I'm out there every day. It's a small bush, and yep. uh, but they are uh, they're busy at night, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, thank you so much for your call, Lana. We're going to have to take a quick break for news. Then we'll be back with more garden talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME.
to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. And if you have a question for Rick, you can give us a call or text at 1-877-332-8255. Tammy has been waiting for us through the break here, so we won't make them wait any longer. Good morning, Tammy. What's your question for Rick today? Hi there. Um, we live in the country, and uh, we have a, about a 15, 20-year-old uh, cutleaf weeping birch tree that we've noticed has a bunch of holes in the trunk. So I'm assuming we've got the uh, bronze birch borer, because I was doing some research, and that seems to be the main enemy of this tree. And are, so the holes, also... are the holes, I'm going to ask you a question first, are the holes in, in rows, or are they just rows, uh, this one or two of them by where the branches come out of the trunk of the tree? Nope, they're in the they're in the main trunk. Some of them are quite big. Like I think this has been going on for a while, and we just okay, didn't. But are notice. they in multiple rows, or are they just one by itself? There's there's some that are in little rows, but there's one that's like a it's quite a big cluster of of yeah, so then like it's, that, it's that that's a set, yeah that's a sap sucker. It's a bird. Okay. okay. Because what you have there is a sap sucker. So what you need to do is you need to wrap those areas so the bird doesn't come to the same area. Because if okay. it does a lot of holes, even all the way around the trunk or a lot in one air, one concentrated area in a yeah. big patch, then no sap will get by that to produce, to give the, the branches in that area above the above those holes. Okay. Oh, okay. And then you can also put a you know a, 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 a scarecrow owl out there. It has okay. a, like a, I call it a bobblehead owl, but you have to move it around a bit. And yeah. when they come, the sapsucker comes in the spring. Okay, that's when they do most of their damage. Okay. This time of the year, they're not doing as much damage anymore. It's mainly in the spring. So you okay. really have to work on them to make sure that you wrap those areas every spring. Like do okay. it in April before the birds migrate this way. Okay. And that's and when the, that's when they'll hit it. Okay. And wrap it with what? Like, just a tree wrap, piece of burlap, anything in those areas, okay. and you can take it off after you get you know past May, into May. Then you can take it off again, but you just have okay. to worry about that that April and beginning of May uh, migration time when the bird comes through. Perfect. Okay, we will do that. Okay, but you can look okay. at you can look it up and just look up sap, sap sucker damage on birch trees, and okay. you'll see it, it'll look yeah. exactly the same. Perfect. Well, that that helps a lot. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tammy. You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. All right, we have a couple of texts that we can get to here. Uh, This one coming from Carla in Balgoni. She has two questions. My dwarf weeping larch is turning yellow on the tips. Uh, Is What can I do to make it look healthier? Okay, so number one thing is either too much water or not enough water. Okay. Okay, That's what's causing it. And also what it is is chlorotic. So you have to watch, check the pH of the soil. You want the pH to be about 6.5 to 7. Okay, it's important. Okay. And so if you find that it's, it's low, and when you do that test, you can get a test kit at a, any garden center, but use distilled water when you do the test. Don't use top water when you do the test. It's very important. Otherwise, you'll get skewed results if you use tap water. So go to your pharmacy and get distilled water, do the test. But if you find that the pH is high, which, is, which will mean the plant is chlorotic, then you need to add, um, you need to first of all add aluminum sulfate, but you can also add a fertilizer with iron in it to, it's like a vitamin to get it green right away. But to long term fix is using aluminum sulfate 
to lower the pH so the plant can take up the nutrients that are naturally in the soil that it can't get because of the high pH. Okay. Um, okay. Carla's secondary question might be related, um, says the junipers are starting to brown at the center near the base. Could that be from the heat or is that similar to the, the maybe the earth having too much uh, of a certain mineral? Yeah, it could be. It, sometimes it's the heat, but a lot of times if it's the center, it could be an insect, it could be spider mite. Okay. okay? Uh, they, they'll work on the old part of the plant and work its way from the middle out. And so watch for spider mites. So you can always Google it. You need a magnifying glass to see them. Okay. They're not like a regular garden spider. They're mm-hmm. very, very microscopic. They're small. They're there. You, so you can barely see them. And so um, check whether it's spider mite or otherwise it might be, if it's in the center, it might be also a root rot. So just watch your moisture that it's not too wet or, or also basically the plant's not too dry. But one thing about they do is junipers will send out branches and when they touch the ground again, those branches will actually root out, okay? So if it's an old plant, sometimes the center just starts dying out because it loses energy. It's it's uh, it's because the, the outer branches that put roots down is taking all those nutrients from the outer branch, and the old roots in the middle are just getting old and dying out. Okay. So there's multiple things that could be happening there. All right. Uh, so a few different things to try. Yep. Um, this one is coming from Mary in Yorkton. What can you put on maple trees that are leaking sap? The bark has come off the side of one of the trees. Interesting. The bark has come off the side. Yeah. Um, not sure what's going on there. It's, what they may want to do is just send a picture to Rick at DutchGrowers.com. Okay. okay. But uh, other than that, um, uh, the leaking sap is aphids. Okay. They're excreting sap. So you can blast them with cold water. Dislodge the aphids. Like I was saying before, uh, use ambush if you want to spray it down or insecticidal soap. Uh, or otherwise, like I always say, is just get a bird bath and some little birdhouse, little wren birdhouses around. And those little birds will eat till their heart's content on all the aphids and keep them under control. Give you a bit of a fighting chance. Yep. All right. Um, we have another question here. Um, this one is... Uh, what causes or what can what do you use for natural calcium? For natural calcium, yeah, um, I, I like just using the alfalfa pellets. Okay, it has a great amount of of calcium in it. It also has a whole whack of all different kinds of other nutrients that the plants get: boron, magnesium, all that kind of stuff. It has in uh, so that's a perfect natural one. That works great, and you can make it into a tea for house plants, for outdoor plants, garden plants, trees, shrubs, lawn, doesn't matter. Or you can put it down as the pellet form and just water through it, and it works good that way too. So that's probably, if you want to use a natural form of calcium, that's probably the most effective and the best one for all the every single kind of nutrient your plant would need. Okay. Um, this one is about ants. Um, we've got nematodes for both grubs and ants, two separate, uh, for our lawn. Can we apply them both at the same time or should we do one and then the other? I I would normally do one and the other. Uh, I, but I can't see why you could not, uh, because there are two different types of nematodes. Mm -hmm. So for me, I can't see why you couldn't do both at the same time, but I don't like, I never like mixing things. I just like, I like applying one and the other. Yep, seeing how it works. The biggest one is read the instructions. Your soil has to be moist first. 
With it being so dry, nematoids won't won't go through dry soil. Okay. okay. So the soil, especially for ants, you, you need to get down to where the nest is, and the nest is you know going to be down at least twelve inches down, right? So if you if your soil, especially wherever the ants are, they they put all those holes in the ground and aerated the soil, so it's bone dry down right down to the nest. That's how ants like it. Mm-hmm. And so you need to soak those areas, especially where the nests are, deep. Okay, so the nematodes can can wiggle through the moist soil to get down to the nest, and that's where they do all their damage. They don't they don't touch the ants the adults. They go after the nest, the eggs themselves. Okay, so um, is there one that you might use before the other, or just nope. uh, just nope. whichever There's, one you like? Whichever one you like doesn't matter. All right, perfect. We are going to take a quick break. If you have a question for Rick, there's still time to get it in today. You can give us a call or text at one 332 8255 This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. You can give us a call or text this morning at 1-877-332-8255. We have Edna waiting for us on the line. Good morning, Edna. What's your question for Rick today? Hi. Uh, I'm just wondering how a person could strain the alfalfa tea. I get that oh. brown... It's all over everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I when I was when I was watering my plants, I actually had to flip the hose around a couple of times. I even got it on me. So oh. <laughs> I know it's stinky. Well, I just have it in a five-gallon pail, and it's really yeah. hard to yeah. So you can't just, strain just, it, eh? Yeah, just just strain it using some cheesecloth or anything like that. That'll work fine. Oh, okay, okay, okay. real some, good. Some some yeah, cheesecloth probably the easiest way to do it. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, You're Edna. Welcome. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right, we have a couple of uh, text messages that we can get through here. Um, this one is coming from Ralph in Prince Albert. When is the best time to move my small rose bush in my yard? Okay, you know what, just think of, I'm just going to answer another one, another question. Just yeah. go to a paint store and you get a paint strainer. Oh, yeah. That would work, work great for straining the alfalfa pellet tea as well. Just, you know, easier to easy to get to, just a paint strainer. Uh, okay, so now, uh, when can they move? Sorry? Oh, yeah. Um, this one is, when can I move a small rose bush in my yard? Okay, I, I like moving the rose bushes in the about the last week of April. As soon as the frost is out of the ground in, in April, that's the best time to move it. I, you, you can move it in the fall once the leaves fall off. Okay. But then you need to mulch it heavy for the first winter. Okay, so put lots of peat moss around it, leaves, whatever, protect it for the first winter. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, move it in the spring. Just as soon as the frost is out of the ground, that's the best time. Okay, so maybe not now, but uh, mark it on oh. the calendar for uh, yeah. for the start of the season. Yeah, you do it now, the plant is dead. Okay, you don't want that. No. <laughs> um, this one is coming from Sean in Regina. My apple tree has a very spongy trunk. And had a mushroom-like fungus on it. What can this be? And is there any way that I can save it? Yeah, it's, that means that the basically if it's spongy, that means that it's dead underneath. Okay. Okay. So the best thing to do is just check to see whether it is dead underneath there. So if the bark is loose, probably the best thing to do is to is to if it's really loose, you'll find that it's all spongy and all dead. I just remove that part of the of the bark, and then just until you. And very carefully do it because you don't want to remove any good bark, okay? That's good. You just want to remove the dead and decaying part of the bark. 
And then once you move that off, take that off, let it dry out for about a week, about seven days. And then you can put some pruning paste or pruning paint on those wounds. Okay. And then otherwise, because the mushrooms are growing on decaying wood. And so there's moisture underneath the bark. And I just wanted to, so it doesn't decay more, just as if you had, you know, a deck that just never, never been painted, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it'll start to rot. So there's, there's raw wood underneath there because the bark protects it. The bark's dead. So now it's not protecting the wood anymore. So it just so, needs uh, a bit of a coat. So just, you might have to just clean that, that dead bark off. Let it dry out. Don't put your pruning paint out until it dries out. And then you can put your pruning paint on in about a week, 12, uh, 7 to 14 days afterwards. Then you can uh, put your pruning paint on there, and then that should clean that up. All right, perfect. Uh, this is coming from Shauna in Prince Albert. Can I use outdoor potting soil for indoor plants? I repotted my dwarf umbrella, and parts of it died. Would that be the wrong soil? No, it's the fine. It's as long as it's potting soil for in pots, it's not a problem. You don't want to use soil that is made for the garden, like a like a triple mix or, you know, uh, black earth or just topsoil. Okay. You put that in, inside the house, it'll just go hard on you and your plants will have a hard time. Uh, the only thing I'd watch also when you bring in plants from outside, any soil from outside, is that obviously you can bring some fungus gnats in, those little tiny flies, yeah. okay? And so that'd be the other thing, and but you can treat that also with a nematode. It's called pot poppers, and it's a nematode that goes after the eggs of the uh, of the fungus gnat inside. So those are two things. If it's a if it's, if it was a potting mix for pot for for pots outside, absolutely you can use the inside. Okay, perfect. Um, this one is coming from Mary in Yorkton. My hostas are getting white at the leaf tips. I think I'm watering them all right, but is there something that I can something else that I can do? No, just sunburn. That means they probably got, it sounds like they got them in a sunnier spot. Oh, okay. Because usually turning white, it means they got a bit of sunburn. So hosses like shade, okay? So hopefully, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the area that they have, but it sounds like they're getting too, a little bit too much sun. Okay. And at this time of year, in the last week we've had, that's uh, not yeah. that shocking of a of yeah. an issue to have. I think a lot of people so, are probably going to be finding that. So just just heat. That's basically what's all. Just just, but don't overwater it. Uh, just poke your finger into the soil, and just keep it moist. But don't don't keep it wet. Hostas won't like it wet. They'll start rotting right at the crown of the plant if you keep it too wet. So um, just just moist, and uh, hopefully when we get through this heat, then it'll change back again. All right, perfect. And this one seems to be going with the potato question that we answered uh, a little bit earlier with uh, Todd in the show. Um, this one is from Elaine in Swift Current. I have used marigolds for many years to control potato bugs. I buy bedding plants and plant them right in the row of potatoes once the potatoes have come up enough that you can distinguish where the rows are. Uh, I usually pot one marigold at the end of each row and about one halfway if I have longer rows, I plant four. The flowers have been flowering for about a year and uh, seems to really be helping. So yeah, that's no, something to try. Yep, companion planting. So just Google companion planting. Uh, planting marigolds in there. Uh, like you are talking about mice before. You can put yeah. garlic in. You can put um, mint, things like mint and sage. Those kind of things all keep other bugs away. I mean... Uh, even, you know, citronella and those kind of things. They're all things that, you know, have a smell to it, and then they, they keep the other bugs away from it. So, yeah, there's lots of – just look up companion planting if anyone looks at it in the garden, and you can do a lot – and even in, in containers. 
uh, just look up companion planting and um, you can put different plants together that help each other out. And that's a, that's a pretty good way. I know um, the, the caller that we were chatting with earlier today wanted sort of uh, more natural approaches and that's uh, probably the best way to do it is just finding a plant that yep. wants to, wants to help each other out. Wants to help each other out. Yep. All right. Uh, that pretty much brings us to the end of the show, but we've been chatting about it off and on a little bit, just with the heat we've had over the last few days. What are some things that people need to be looking out for to make sure their plants are healthy? Yeah, just watering, but watering with knowledge of what your soil needs. So just don't, just automatic timers. I, I dislike automatic timers unless unless you really know your soil, okay? And Or if you're going away on holidays. Yes. Stick your finger into the soil because uh and seeing whether they need moisture or that piece of rebar uh for bigger plants and just finding out what the soil moisture is like down deeper and uh, that's the plant will be way better in the end than just going and getting really wet and then going really wet, wet dry and then really wet and really dry that causes lots of problems for plants all right perfect thank you so much to everyone who called and texted us this week we'll be back again next sunday on garden talk on 650 ckom and 980 cjme